episode 239 of the Sleeper in the Bus. It is your Tuesday edition, and I am Paul Spore, joined as always on Tuesdays by Mr. Eno Saris, who is uh, headed out to the yard on Tuesdays per usual. How you doing, Eno? And per usual, it feels this way at least. I'm hoping once again for Adrian Beltre. Someday he'll turn around and ask me what's up. <laughs> That would be great. You get some good information from, him. you know, one of the bummers. So obviously, uh, based on that, folks can, uh, if, if you haven't listened, uh, Eno lives on the West Coast in the Bay Area. So he's going to Oakland uh, and the Rangers are going to be there in case you didn't put those pieces together. One of the bummers about that for me, for me, because I like to suggest guys that maybe you can talk to is I definitely would have had you talk to Nick Martinez, but it's his day. And as far as I know, I'm not, obviously never been in locker rooms the way you, uh, clubhouses the way you have. But pitchers don't talk on their day, as far as I know, right? In fact, some of them are really, really crazy about it, right? Yeah, I've even gotten yelled at for pit- talking to a guy before his day. Oh, snap. Yeah, but see, that I... was just Matt Garza being Matt Garza, I think. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, once you, once you get a good relationship, like, um, I, I only had one day um, with the Marlins, and Dan Heron was in town, and he was pitching, and we made eye contact, and I I stayed away because I'm not supposed to talk, but then he came over and, and we talked because, you know, I may not see him again. Because Dan Heron's uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So it was nice to talk to him and he it was nice of him to talk on his day and, you know, but we, you know, I wanted to say, I probably, you know, he told me he's not taking a job in baseball and, um, you know, he's not, he's, he's probably just done. So oh, wow. uh, at the end of the year, so, you know, we yeah. shook hands and I thanked him and, yeah, he still he still batters me on Twitter about his war, but uh, that's funny. I throw eighty eight as his Twitter handle, which is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Dan, Dan Heron, big 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 Dan Heron fan. Um, yeah, obviously he's gonna uh, probably come back a bit from the performance that we've seen from him so far, but uh, big fan of Dan Heron. I'm glad glad you were able to talk to him on on his pitching day. But Nick Martinez, don't bother him. Don't bother Sonny Gray. They're both throwing today. It should be an interesting matchup. you got two guys pitching really well, one who uh, I think folks really believe in, and then Nick Martinez, who are still kind of like, hmm, how real is this? Uh, but let's dive into some news here, as we always do. Now, on Sunday, Jason and I uh, were, were blessed to have the Carlos Correa call-up happen pretty much right before we went on, so we got a chance to talk about it. But obviously, you didn't get a chance to give us your thoughts on, on Correa now that he is up. You know, g- give me an idea of what you think of him. We saw him debut yesterday, get that uh, legged out single, first hit off of Chris Sale. That's fun, RBI single. You can tell, you can lie to your kids when they're, when they're when you're much older and say, hey, it, it was a liner. It was great. It was awesome. Although there'll be video. There's already video of everything. Of course, that will that video will be floating around, so your kids can call you out on that, Correa. Don't lie to them. But uh, de- decent debut, amazing defensive play. How do you see him, uh, Carlos Correa, as a shortstop the rest of the way? Is he a top 12-er, somebody that you're worried about, somebody that you don't think sticks, or somebody you think is going to be a beast right out of the gate? Well, you know, some people that I trust uh, more than myself when it comes to scouting, have, I've, you know, saw them talking about maybe he's not completely ready just yet. But, you know, you never know what that means, if that means defensively or offensively. Um, in terms of numbers, I know that 250 or so plate appearances above double A is not a lot. But when you just straight rake through them, um, even with the – even with the jump up to triple a where the, the pitchers are often major leaguers, um, you know, fringe major leaguers with good mm-hmm. command of their off speed stuff. Uh, even at that level, he still made a ton of contact, took a ton of walks and showed above average power. And I actually think that triple a line represents a little bit of what he can do, um, without being too pie in the sky. It is a little bit more optimistic than his projections. Projections are always going to be, especially for a young player like this, going to be the most pessimistic. But if you want an upside projection, look at his AAA line. 275, uh, 345 on base percentage, three homers, three stolen bases, 113 plate appearances. You know, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, trajectory him out to 18-18 in a full season. But, you know, something like that. I think you can have representative power, be kind of like a 275-1020 guy in his first season. Um, those are kind of full season-ish numbers, but uh, that's a little bit better than uh, his projections. Um, but you know, he's a he's a singular talent. He was probably the best uh, prospect uh, that could have come up. And, yeah, you know, I I think 
I think everything you're saying here is, is pretty spot on. It's similar to what Jason and I said. You know, that here's the thing though, with with shortstop being so bad, e- even if he is quote unquote only the guy we saw in AAA with like a, a near 800 OPS with with contributions in homers and stolen bases, Correa can still be a top shortstop because guys, uh, the position is just so bad. So, um, you know, he, he's a weird prospect though. Um, not not a weird one, but but that interesting prospect that wasn't available in many leagues by the time he was called up. At that point, he was snapped up. Unless your league prohibits it, he was pretty much snapped up in every league uh, prior to the call up. So he didn't create that big buzz to where you have to go out and spend you know i know some leagues say no minor leaguers so that when they are called up you kind of have that event and you do bid on them but a lot of leagues allow you to kind of free range and so he was i think he was like 80 percent owned at cbs uh at cbs leagues probably a little bit lower on yahoo and and, and espn upon arrival but but carlos correa you can't get him now um so that the problem with uh, when he came up, and again, not really a problem, but the, one of the unintended consequences is they also called up another guy, and it was a little bit overshadowed, but uh, it, it could be equally as important to them. And it's Vincent Velasquez was called up to kind of strengthen uh, the, the rotation even more. So now they call up another youngster. Oh, I just want to say one last thing about Korea, okay. uh, which is just that I wonder – if there's any uh, risk, uh, and I wonder your opinion on this too, uh, if there's any risk that he gets sent back down uh, when Lowry is healthy again. So Jason and I talked about that too. We were wondering how that's how that calculus will play out. What we really did there is that uh, unless he's failing, unless he's just really not hitting, and, and we're talking some like 180 sort of stuff, uh, if Correa's on the interstate by that time, then maybe he gets sent back down for some for some seasoning. But otherwise, we think the big losers will be somebody like a, a Luis Valbuena uh, or the two guys, VR and, uh, and Marlon Gonzalez, who are filling in right now because then, you know, th- that's going to be those four, uh, Valbuena, Gonzalez, VR, and Lowry basically for uh, third base and and some some shortstop here and there. So, no, I, I honestly don't think that they want to send Correa back down. Again, short of him absolutely falling on his face, I think it's a situation where they would maybe try to move some of those guys. You're not going to get anything big for, for any of those, even Lowry. But I think Lowry is the one they'd keep. And then Valbuena, Mar- Marwan Gonzalez, and Jonathan VR would be guys who would be on the block for supplemental help elsewhere. I think that's how they're going to play out that long, or, long jam. Or you know, Lowry, Lowry, whose defensive short is, is probably behind Korea's right now. You know, becomes the third baseman, and Valbuena, who's even, you know, even his rest of season projections barely have him um, with a, you know, like a 310 on base percentage. Then Valbuena becomes the sort of uh, utility man. Uh, you can only use him against righties anyway. Yep. Um, so, and he and he's mostly kind of power only, which is not really the thing that they need most on that team. Um, I think, I think so. the biggest loss would be. Marwin Gonzalez at this point because yeah he can he can kind of play everywhere but 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 once Lowry gets back uh, you're gonna have those guys Lowry, VR and Valbuena who can play a couple different positions similar to to Gonzalez um, and and he becomes expendable because he doesn't have a bat Lowry has the bat uh, and no real defense Valbuena has kind of okay on both you know his his bat like you said it's more power but that's it really uh bad 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 average right now for Valbuena so yeah I think that's how it's going to play out but honestly what we really need to see is just how Correa goes you know uh over these next couple weeks before Lowry gets back because it could all be moot like I said if he if if Correa just doesn't have it yet he's not quite ready at age 20 then they send him back down no harm no foul give him a little taste you know Trout had a taste that that really sucked too and I'm not saying he is Trout uh just because I'm making that but you know he had a 40-game taste where he was he was pretty bad. Uh, Trout had a 6.72, a 2.20 average, and so he was sent back down at 19, and then came back up at 20 and dominated. So, you know, just, just because yeah, we're excited is, about Correa doesn't mean it, it, he's up to stay. Yeah, you know, it, it, I've been getting some questions about what should I trade these people because I have Correa, or should I start Correa the rest of the way? And I'm excited. Like I said, I'm more excited than his projections. And Certainly. I'm excited to see him play, and I think there's there's a good chance that he's ready. Uh, but there's always that chance what you're saying. Players don't usually pr- produce right away. And I've been saying there are enough sort of fungible 
um, 12 to 14, ranked 12 to 14 shortstops that I like enough that if you can have that guy and Korea, then I'm I'm all, all on board. So like Semyon, this guy just on Twitter was asking me, Semyon's his backup? Yeah, sure, do it. Can you get you know Jung Ho Gong on your team? You know, with Korea, then you're doing the high upside play. And that's particularly, I think, a really good play for 12 and 15 uh, mixers that are sort of, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh in the in the league and just need, you know, something to kind of rocket them to the top, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't necessarily think that the first or second place team should be trading away, you know, Hanley Ramirez in order to play Carlos Korea. Exactly, exactly. You, you don't need to be getting rid of your established guys for him. I understand the excitement, but but tone it down. Let's well, talk the, the, last the nice thing. Oh. But the nice thing about these Astros, and go back to, you were talking about Vincent Velasquez, and the nice thing about these Astros is that these call-ups that they're making, the, they're pushing aside players that are so bad. Um, <laughs> I mean, that. Yeah, I think that's what the truth is. The pitching is no, no, you're, so you're right. Is that, that uh, not, these guys don't have to be great? Yeah, they don't have to be amazing. Like, uh, like I don't, I don't really think Red Holzer is a major league starter. Um, Scott Feldman has proven that he can be sort of an innings eater type, but he's hurt, like pretty badly hurt. Um, who, who so, was that? that? Sorry, Scott Feldman. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He he is. What is it? It's a surgery to, 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 for a torn meniscus, which, uh, you know, some guys come back early, but he's 32, so it's not going to be on the early side. Um, and meniscus, you know, never know how it's going to feel when he starts landing on it. Plus, Oberholzer could be out. So basically, it's Keichel, McHugh, McCullers, I think, are locks. And then that leaves two spots for Feldman, Oberholzer, Velasquez. I think Velasquez can come up and keep his job all year. Now, you know, I, I wrote a piece today about his stuff, and I think it's it's legit stuff. And it, he, he's got three really good pitches in terms of movement. His minor league track record is great. Now the question is, how many innings do you think a pitcher needs at Double A before he's ready for the big leagues? Yeah, and honestly, I, I don't know because I, I don't think there is a set number. Honestly, with all these things, it might seem like the easy answer to take, but I think it's also the truth. The truthful one is that you just don't know with some of these guys. You know, they they, they can come up from Double A and really make an impact instantly because their stuff is so good. Look at what Jose Fernandez did, and and when when they made that call up, it's like what they're doing. What now? Yeah, they're bringing him up from high eight that's bananas and then all of a sudden you know best pitcher in baseball or or in the in the contention uh for it uh, and, and definitely in in various starts throughout that 2013 jose fernandez looked like the best pitcher in baseball so you you, you just don't know it, it makes it obviously even tougher because you know handicapping pitching is already difficult add in the fact that they're all just so different you know i i do think this has a chance to be a little bit of a mccullers 2.0 situation in that Velasquez could come up and make an immediate impact that that has you thinking he can stick for the rest of the way. That I don't think there's a, you know a, a whole ton of comparison between the two as players themselves. I'm tar- talking just in terms of bottom line impact uh, and the fact that they're both jumping from Double A. Velasquez was doing a lot of the same stuff down there, although younger than McCullers, but uh, you know missing a ton of bats, having great results, but only five starts. So, uh, like you said. W- I, how do we know? You know, we, we don't. I can't wait to see it, though. I'm really excited for Velasquez. I don't, I don't actually see any red flags. I mean, the, the, the command has been good for, for, you know, a big enough sample where I'm saying I'm not that worried about his command. Uh, we actually have some pitch FX data from him from uh, the Arizona Fall League. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can say with confidence that he has a very movie uh, changeup that moves that goes right along with um, the, the, the reports on him. Uh, that he has a rising fastball with great velocity. I, I had to, you have to take that a little bit in, uh, you, you have to take it with a little bit of grain of salt because in the Arizona Fall League, he was pitching three to four innings. So, sure. um, you know, I don't think, he averaged 95 there. I don't think he'll average 95. I think he'll be, you know, more 93-ish. But that's still really good velocity. It's a rising fastball with really good movement. Change has a lot of movement, good gap between the change. And, and then the curve, Looks like a, a standard good curve, but it's 82 miles an hour, which would be one of the, you know, hardest curves in baseball right away. Um, yeah. And that's that's good for whiff. So I really do think he's got the kind of arsenal that you need, uh, and maybe even fewer uh, red flags than McCullers, who McCullers, you know, had a problem with command until this year. So exactly. No, I, uh, I agree. I. I... Uh, Coming into the year, I would have said Velasquez, obviously, 
older, it makes it easier to say that, but I thought he'd been coming first and, and agree with you that he was a little bit more polished, could have seen him maybe having these five starts in double A, then getting pushed to triple A and then call up. But they said, you know what, just skip triple A. Let's take a look. Very excited about him. Uh, I, I do think that, you know, if we see from Velasquez, even in, even in a small sample, you know, three, four, five starts, the way we've seen from McCullers, that he could uh, be a guy that we, we get excited enough about to really start saying, yeah, this is this is all formats, uh, rest of season sort of impact the way we've done with uh, Eduardo Rodriguez and, uh, and McCullers Jr. himself. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited so that, about Velasquez. That was in my piece today where I looked at I, and I gave average movement for everybody. So. You know, you can go go forward and kind of get a better idea of what average uh, movement looks like for each pitch. Uh, so I just ran it for righties and lefties. And, you know, through that lens, Vincent Velasquez looks great. Lance McCullers looks great. His, his change, which looks great to the eye, has great movement. doesn't have the greatest gap, but it has great movement. So that's that can function maybe a little bit as a sinker um, and uh, because he doesn't really throw a sinker. And, uh, and then Chichi Gonzalez just looks bizarre. Yeah, what do you think know. of Chi-Chi? What, 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 what were your, what were your uh, findings on him? Because interesting first start with the five walks. You're like, hmm, that's interesting. I, you know, especially if you'd heard that he had polish. Um, but then uh, a nice, complete game. Where, where are you at on Cheech? I guess I'm out because it, it is, it is, it, it does become a sort of existential question about how you now analyze pitches because he has really weird pitches. So, you know, in essence, you could say they're weird, so therefore they're good. Um, but, you know, for the most part, they're all straight. So most of his stuff just goes straight down. So he has a lot of drop on everything, except his curveball doesn't drop much. So it's a very strange package where, you know, everything's straighter than usual, but uh, has a little bit more drop than usual, decent velocity, but then you pair that with, his um, minor league numbers, which are not that exciting, other than ground ball deliver, uh, ground ball rates, and uh, and then you kind of watch it. And if you watch it like a highlight package of his, they'll show you all the whiffs, and you'll be like, "Oh, he's got yeah. really bad stuff. Looks great." But if you watch, you know, a full game, you kind of realize it doesn't bend, you know, left or right. It's all just up and down. It's um, and I think it it is going to lead to ground balls, but I'm not sure it's going to lead to enough strikeouts and uh, I, I have a feeling he's going to be good real-life pitcher that the Rangers will need. He'll sure. have like a four-ish ERA and like a five strikeouts per nine kind of thing and just not be that great for fantasy. Yeah, I, I could definitely see something like that. Uh, kind of reminds me maybe Matt Harrison-esque. I know Matt Harrison's from the left side, so he can get away with it more. Um, but that's what that's what you're saying to me in terms of those bottom line results that it's a little bit yeah ad- I don't adverse. I don't I couldn't think of a comp I mean in terms of not having left or right movement there's guys that are really over the top more over the top than Chi Chi like Colmenter yeah has no left or right movement because he's just straight over the top um, but you know he's a straight kind of he looks a little bit more three quarter I don't know uh, it's he's very weird I think. There's a chance I'm wrong on him, but you know you got to rely on the fact that even in the major leagues he's not getting whiffs. He didn't get a lot of whiffs, and strikeouts are just a category that we need to care about. So, you know, the one thing I'll say though about the Astros and the Rangers, what I love about what they're doing is they're actually calling these guys up and giving them chances because they've banked a certain amount of wins as teams, yes. and and they're they're going for it. Now I know you know there's there's a couple there's a few prospects out there. And you're looking at these teams that have banked some wins, and particularly, um, you know, I'm looking at the the Mets and the and the Twins, where they're doing they're overperforming their their preseason projections a little bit, and you're sort of like, well, why don't you call up your Vincent Velasquez, and why don't you call up um, your your Carlos Correa types, and and just go for it. I mean, the risk there is not the same as a trade where you're trading Carlos Correa and you lose all these years of it, it's, you lose maybe a little bit of development or you put him into hot water a little bit early, then he goes back and, and gets it back. So Exactly. Uh, and also in terms of pitchers, I'd rather they spent their bullets in the major leagues, honestly. And, and uh, that's that was the thinking with Fernandez. I, bu- I believe the team yeah. even, even kind of made that clear. Like, I mean, he's got these bullets now. 
they're really good. They can at least stick in the majors. I, I, I don't even know that they thought that Fernandez was going to become so dominant so fast. They're like, but he can hang and then evolve into that dominance. Turned out, obviously, he was super dominant from the start. But yeah, you want the pit, you want the bullets being thrown in the majors. I totally get that. With that in mind, who, who, who would you like to see? Who are the two a couple of prospects that uh, have yet to be called up that you think could make an impact on the fantasy landscape? Well, I know you like one of the guys I like, but um, I think there's a couple pitchers that I really like. And I, and I think you got to think about this in terms of the way um, the way that we were just talking, in terms of how good the team is and how likely they're going to bring up. Because I, I really like Aaron Nola, um, the Philly uh, prospect, who he's pretty much polished, ready to go, came in polished as, as you know, re, you know, refine that shine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he's, I think he's ready to go. I mean, he's really, he's ready to go. And there, there, there was talk of it maybe sneaking up last year for a little taste too. So yeah. you're not off the mark here. Um, now after but, even 11 more starts in the minors and, and you know, the Phillies, you know, they're drawing 17 K game. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to necessarily gain more by calling up a guy who may not strike out a lot of people, but has great command. I mean, that's not, you know, that's not Matt Harvey. It's not going to be the draw. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, even and that, the colors is a bigger draw because of the swing and miss. And even that barely though, happens. That barely happens anyway, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, but I do think that, that um, he's going to show great command and um, I think he'll probably take to the league pretty quickly. So, uh, I'm interested, and I really want to get some pitch FX data on him and, and see uh, see how things move and, and what his ground ball rates are going to be like and stuff. But in any case, uh, I like Stephen Matz more uh, from a stuff standpoint, and then probably from a, a, a opportunity standpoint because you know Dave Cameron made a good point today. It's not Super Two that's keeping Stephen Matz down. The Super Two deadline is passed, so anybody who's down in the minor leagues right now, uh, down. Maybe you know, they're, they should be up in the next week or two, or they're down for some other reason. Okay. Um, and I think in Matt's case, the reason he's down is because they've got G and they've got Nice yeah. uh, and they've got Cologne and nobody, you know, has, has, has come up with a good trade for them yet. Um, so they're, you know, they're sort of waiting for a trade. They don't think that necessarily Nice is so bad. He needs to go to the bullpen or else Matt's would be up right now. So I think they're just hoping for a trade and, um, you know, I don't know. That's the hardest thing to, to predict. But uh, I would Agreed. say that when Matt's is up, um, we have to watch how well he spots his breaking ball uh, because he's he's got a, a great big fastball and a good change and a really good change. Uh, but uh, the breaking ball has always been the question with him. Um, but as a lefty, that's good. I mean, power power lefty with the with a great uh, change up, and then you know, well, let's see about the breaking ball. That's that's enough for me to take a lot of interest in. And then the adult, otherwise on the hitting side. Um, I've got Francisco Lindor who can help his team right now, and they're starting to win. And um, he passed over weirdly enough. I'm yeah, I think, I think he'll be up soon. I, I think I don't know. You know, playing Giovanni Urshela at, at third, who you know has some power, but doesn't have great play discipline, doesn't project to be a great player. Um, you know, and then playing Mike Avilas at short, I think you could easily do an Ursula Aviles thing at third and, and put Lindor at short and make sure that you at least have great defense. I, I think yeah, that's, that's what I thought they were going to, I thought they were going to do an, an Urshela Lindor tandem call up as a, um, when, when they, when they called up Urshela for the defensive purpose, because the defense right. is really hurting that team right now. Cause even though, you know, Lindor's bat, first off, it doesn't even project to be elite at, at his peak. Um, yeah. and, and, and it certainly won't be upon arrival, but the defense is so good. In fact, they were saying last year he could have hung in the majors defensively. Uh, so that piece is already there. You know, Jose Ramirez wasn't doing anything with the bat anyway and not playing exemplary defense. I don't understand why Lindor didn't get the call, but I guess they're just still waiting a little bit. But I'm excited for when he gets called up for what – not so much to go out and get him, but for what it does to that stable of pitching that they already have who have been burned by by, by getting babbipped here and there and some poor defense that was hurting Kluber early in the season. That's still hurting Carrasco a bit. It's hurt Salazar. It's hurt Bowers. Hurt them all. So uh, I'm very excited about that. I don't know. I don't know how Urshela's defense is. Um, I just I imagine it has to be an upgrade over what they've been playing yeah. over there because Chisholm Hall. It just doesn't strike me as particularly good. Yeah, that staff leads the league in FIP or whatever, and 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 doesn't in ERA. So they they could use Lindor. I think from a fantasy standpoint, you know, uh, the, the 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 it's pretty barren in terms of hitters. You know, most of them. 
are not very close. One name that kind of sticks out for me a little bit is Jose Peraza, um, who was supposed, yes. supposed to play second for Atlanta and is now playing center in the minors. You know, I know I like Cameron Maven, and I think uh, he's useful, but he also gets but, hurt a lot. Exactly. And, you know, Jace Peterson just had a, a, a bruised thumb, and, and, and who knows if, you know, they really want to do the Juan Uribe thing at third base a long time. So um, there are enough moving parts there where – you can get Peraza and Peterson on the same infield, or you can get Peraza in the outfield. And Peraza, you know, where Lindor strikes out 14, 15, 16% of the time, Peraza strikes out less than 10% of the time. Neither of them has much power, but if you can slap the, put the ball in play, you know, 95% of the time, or well, you know, 90% of the time, then, then um, you, you're going to get a lot of BABIPs. You're going to have a batting average near uh, 280, 290. You're going to have a... a you know, you're going to have a, a small on-base percentage and, and no power, but he's stolen more than 60 bases two, two exactly. years ago. That's what I was going to say. Peraza has that game-changing speed, so even if he's only, you know, not necessarily uh, up there at the 280 uh, right away and, and maybe even hitting kind of like a Billy Hamilton 240, 250, um, if, if he can – at least make enough contact to, to not be embarrassing with the bat and get on base with some regularity. You know, even as he's got a 319 OBP in AAA right now for Peraza, if he can at least be above 300, he can be a stolen base asset. We've seen what Billy Hamilton has done with less, and maybe Peraza isn't quite as fast, but he might have a little bit better bat upon arrival. There was some talk that Peraza could break camp, and then all of yeah. a sudden, you know, the trades that they had, they had something like Peterson. So that's a good name, especially on the offensive side, because they are so few and far between. Uh, my top guy that you kind of alluded to that we both like is Jose Barrios. I'm very excited about him, and he fits the plan that you're talking about perfectly with regards to a team that is probably overperformed expectations, even in internally, uh, because they definitely the Twins definitely have externally. But even internally, I think at 33 and 24 in that division, they've got to be over the moon, and uh, their pitching is, is is very fraudulent as far as I'm concerned uh, at that top end with like a Pelfrey and a Gibson. As we've I was we've spoken about in the, in the past so i think that they can get a boost there nolasco just hit the dl tommy malone is 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 nothing special i i think barrios would have been it would have been a good time to audition him there with nolasco on the dl but he is only in double a and, and 21 so maybe they're just going to take a little no, bit more time so. with him he strikes too many batters out he has he's to been great it's uh, to strike fewer batters out for the twins to pull that, him that's true they're probably pissed that they're like that's <laughs> 10 strikeouts per nine Listen, son, I don't know if you've been following our organization, but uh, we, don't, we don't like that kind of crap. Like, they're really they're really indignant and angry, and he's like, wait a just minute. Just lay it in there, buddy. Just Why don't you just let them do hit and then let Dozier and, and, and Ploof and all them do the work? Stop trying to get those swings and misses. We don't like that, son. Maybe maybe that's it. No, but he, he – uh, Barrios looks like uh, he could be an impact guy upon arrival as well. He's you know a bit of a smaller right-hander, but but has all the stuff. The results are there. Everything looks good for him to come up and kind of make that impact too. So I'm very excited about Barrios. Um, I like the names that you've mentioned in terms of Lindor, Mats, Nola. So I mean, th- honestly, those are the guys that I'm looking. I I, I don't really have others that uh, I'm that excited about because I don't see the obvious you know, kind of opening for them to come up and make an impact. And I'm generally a little bit cool on prospects as it is. Yeah, and then plus, you know, we've they've called everybody up. You I know? got one so, other, one other one. But, that, you know, like, I'm look, I was going through the list, and there's some names I like, like Dalton Pompey's in the minors, and, you know, he's been doing a little better since he went down, and, you know, Odor has been doing better since he went down. But now we're talking about we're no longer in the top 50 almost of preseason uh, prospects. We're talking about the bottom 50 to 100, where you know just like in the in the, in the MLB draft that, that's on right now, you know the top 12 to 14 are just light years ahead of you know the next guys that are in the top 50 or the Absolutely. top 60. You know. Absolutely. So one other name. I'll give you yeah. one other name that that uh, it, it's a, almost a flashback name, which is funny because he's 22 freaking years old. Dylan Bundy. 
Um, I think he could he could possibly make his way up. I don't think it's going to be quick necessarily, like like this month. But he's in Double A. He's pitching pretty well. The, the ERA looks a little high at 3.68. Might might throw you off a little bit, but the skills are perfectly intact. They look excellent. So if he continues to kind of uh, keep progressing, get some more innings, I think they'll rather stair step him and go Double A than Triple A. Even though he's been in the majors, just because of the injuries he's dealt with and the fact that he hasn't had a lot of workload, I think they'll take the slower route with Bundy. But I could see him being a, a, a midsummer impact guy, too. So I'm still keeping a close eye on Dylan Bundy as well. But I think those are the names really at the top. And then, like you said, you start jumping down into guys like a Pompey and an Odor, who can be good, but not necessarily um, th- that elite, super high ceiling that uh, of, of these other guys that we've been talking about. You know, Corey Seager's up there, too. But honestly, they're already overstuffed. They're so they're, stuffed. They don't even have Hector Oliveira yet. So honestly, like, where's he going to play? I, I understand that he continues to rake but the fact is unless there's a catastrophic injury uh probably to somebody uh, like Rollins I think it would have to be at shortstop I I just don't see it no matter what Seager does because you know Peterson stat in the minors all year last year doing what he did and and Seager's not at that level so as excited as folks are about Seager I think they've got way too many options to really mess with him this year Uh, I don't even know that he could force his way up short of a major injury yeah. All right. Let's move on and talk a little, uh, some other news here. We got small minor uh, minor league deal here for Rafael Soriano going to the Cubs. Obviously, there's been talk about him pretty much uh, on and off since the season started. Is if he's going to sign somewhere? Who needs a closer? They don't. Ne- the Cubs don't necessarily need a closer, but the, it, it's it's not locked down in the back end of their bullpen. There it looked like Hector Rondon kind of had that job, and he hasn't been bad by any stretch. But then this weekend, kind of threw things on its head. Pedro Strope got a save. Uh, I think so did Jason Mott. So all of a sudden they've got kind of this three-headed monster. And like I said, Rondon, good, not great, and they want to be a high compet- uh, you know, a highly competitive team. So they're looking out. They're going to get Soriano on a minor league deal and say, hey. Maybe we can get something here, not necessarily to even be the closer, but just to strengthen the bullpen. Um, all told, Soriano was still pretty good last year. I think it was split to where he got off to a great start and then fizzled. But uh, what do you think? Is there is there anything here with Soriano, uh, or is this just kind of a blip of, uh, of of a last kick from a once great reliever? Yeah, uh, I mean, I it is. I, I don't know what's going on there. I I know from my just the research we you, we always talk about Pedro Strope is would be the guy, you know. Sure. I mean, the highest whiff rate, the highest uh, strikeout rate, and um, you know they all throw ninety five. Uh, well, so Mott, I think, Mott isn't missing bats much since his return yet. So and, and even even you know to be fair, if there's a, a thing in Rondon's line, it's that for some reason the whiffs are down, and I I I, I looked and I I don't really see it. You know, reason unless he's hanging some of those sliders, he's throwing more sliders than he ever has. So um, there's some there's some chance that uh, there's too many sliders and he's just he's hanging on more, or people are just sitting on a slider somewhat. But uh, Stropes throws a ton of sliders too, and he actually has the best whiff rate in the game um, most years on the slider. Even now that it's at 50 percent, which is amazing. Oh my God! It's uh, I love Pedro Strope. His his. I, I, Overall swinging strike rates on a four-year incline. Yeah, and I can't, and I can't. Um, I mean, if you throw 50% sliders and they were the nastiest slider before you started throwing them 50% of the time, I think, um, I think that's uh, a good sign that they, you know, that it's one of the best pitchers, uh, one of the best uh, uh, sliders in the game. I, I would just bet on him because Soriano has been up and down when he's been healthy and in the league, um, you know, and now. He, you know, he took some time off. Um, could he take it? I mean, there's the infamous, you know, proven closer stuff. Sure. He hasn't had, uh, he hasn't had a, a strikeout rate like Strope since 2009 uh, when he was with the Braves. And for you Soriano, know, he, last yeah. year's good swing strike rate. Yeah, Soriano, sorry, so Soriano's swing strike rate last year was pretty good, um, but it didn't turn into. Uh, a lot of strikeouts and there's always the health issue with him. I think that's why nobody's given him a multi-year deal is because there's always the chance the elbow goes. So exactly. Uh, I think that they're just going to, they just want to have a, a nasty bullpen. And there is a great chance for a nasty bullpen between him, Mott, Rondon and, and Strope. That's, that's a really nice uh, back. And end. even 
Ross Cup from the left side, if you don't have to put him in super high leverage, he's shown some decent things uh, this year, too, if he can Wouldn't keep the ball in the park. They, they went after an Andrew Miller type. Um, I don't know if, they're, if it's obvious who that is around the league, but if there's a, a lefty you know, on an expiring deal somewhere, um, Agreed. You know, that's, that's, that seems to be where they're going with this. Uh, you know, left field, yes, they could make a trade. And so Coughlin, you know, Coughlin is pretty fringe. Uh, but they've got Schwarber, um, you know. They've got Baez when the when the finger heals. Um, they could push Brian to left. They've already done it a couple times. So um, there's they've got enough in house on the batting side that uh, I don't think that they will see a trade there. But, All right. And so I, and I don't. Think that they're, I think this this long they've gone without. Um, uh, they've gone this long without uh, trading for Hamels. I doubt it's going to happen. So. Um... Handicap the Chicago bullpen now, just from today on. Are you going to go Strope or Rondon at the top? If I had 100 shares, I'd give Strope uh, about maybe 60 shares. Okay. I'd give Rondon uh, like uh, 20 shares. I'd give uh, Soriano uh, 10 and Mott 10. Maybe I'd give Soriano 15 and Mott 5. Okay, so... Folks, Strobe might be available in your league. You should definitely go check, especially if you don't use net saves and holds. Um, you know, I, I know the weekend probably changed some of that. Strobe was probably a cheap pickup for some folks, but he's still going to be available in leagues. Take a look. If you're speculating for saves, that's where you got to go. And then the last bit of news before we talk about a couple other guys and then get back out, get back out of here and get you to the park. Uh, Matt Holliday suffered a quad strain yesterday. It looked pretty nasty, honestly. Um, what, you know, it looked like his foot kind of got caught and, you know, when you're looking at the highlight, you're like, whoa, maybe he blew out his knee entirely. So, you know, to come back with, quote, unquote, only a quad strain, uh, at least that's the news so far. Not as bad as it seemed like it could have been because it looked really bad uh, for Holiday. Are, are you overly concerned here? You think uh, you think he's going to go on the DL for a long time or you think this could be a quick one? I mean, he's not on the DL yet, so we don't even really know there. But it seems like this is at least a, a two-weeker for, for Matt Holiday on the, on the quad strain. What do you think? Yeah, I think he'll miss some time. Um, I'm not sure. I guess it, you know the winner would probably be Grichuk. I was going to say. So um, uh, now, what do you think of Grichuk? Because he's shown some some nice things uh, in, in this time that he's gotten. But then I saw some tweets, and I can't, I wish I could remember so I could attribute it. And I apologize if uh, if you happen to be a listener. But somebody was saying, you know, perhaps he's getting a little bit overexposed with this extra playing time here, and 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 maybe isn't you know quite a stud. Uh, who can be an everyday guy? What, what do you see out of him? You know, former top round pick, uh, actually ahead of that Trout loser that we were talking about earlier. So obviously, Grichuk has to be better than Mike Trout, right? <laughs> yeah, because enough. why would they take him? You know, I'm, I'm just using 100% <laughs> firm logic here. Why Twitter would they logic. take him? Yeah, why would they take Grichuk yeah. ahead of Trout if Grichuk wasn't better? So I cut. Trout for Grichik in one of my leagues. Should I go get Grichik in all my leagues? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, uh, don't don't do that. No. Uh, obviously. <laughs> um, so you know, a, a good a, he had a good May. Grichik did. He, he looked pretty oh. good in, in spurts. It's been a little cool to start off June, but the, but the playing time has still been sporadic for him. So for a guy like that, I have a hard time assessing him until he's actually in a full time role for some extended period of time. Because even May, he really wasn't. It was only half of May that he got called up. So I'm still on the fence about Grichik in terms of what that uh, guy I follow on Twitter said with regards to him maybe being exposed. I'm excited about him. I do have shares of him in, in a couple of leagues. I did not have to give up Mike Trout for any of them. But uh, what, what do you think of him? Is this somebody that could blossom another another good Cardinal out of kind of nowhere? Well, one thing that actually stabilizes really quickly is pull percentage. Um, supposedly, it takes uh, three. It, it takes uh, 30 balls in play, okay. uh, which is a, a real low number. So uh, I think that makes sense because it's probably linked to your mechanics exactly. and your approach to the plate and is something that's going to just, you know, I, I once, uh, you know, Kashner said, you know, we put the shift on and then we pitch the, the guy outside and he still pulls it, you know, so he said pull, pull hitter is going to pull. Exactly. Uh, my, my, and- my pull percentage in softball is 99.6%. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot you know, wait so, back on the ball. You know what though, and this and it showed up in in the Fangraphs uh, game that we played. 
uh, I try to wait as long as possible and just wait. As, uh, it's impossible to go oppo. I wait as long so as hard. possible and swing as late as possible in softball, and I go up the middle. And it's not necessarily the best idea because I don't have the same power as the 90% pull guys. And there are some defensive arrangements, particularly in our game, where there were like three guys up the middle. So Right, exactly. Uh, uh, that, so, that was fun, by the way, when we, when we, when we got to play the Fangraphs softball game. Hopefully that becomes a, a yearly thing. So um, but I, 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 I assume you brought on Gritchick. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I stung a line drive, uh, but it got caught. What happens to a righty like Gritchick is that he's a, he's a, he's a pull guy. 52% uh, so far. Yeah, and if you look at his career number, uh, 48%. The 52% this year would be uh, top 10 if it qualified. I mean, it would be top six, really. So okay. you're talking about – but he's a righty. Uh, so it's not a Chris Davis problem where he's going to get shifted a, a bunch. Uh, he can't get shifted as much as a, as a, as a righty uh, just because of – you need – especially if there's a guy on base. You know, yeah, they, they, it, we're seeing more shifts against righties, but they're still not nearly – as prevalent as, uh, pardon me, as we see against left-handers. Well, and it can't be as extreme because you actually need to throw to a first baseman. Exactly. So. <laughs> first baseman needs to be within running distance of the bag. So, uh, uh, so that, it, that that's in good... addition to that pull. What do you think of the fact that his his hard hit percentage would also be? up yeah. at the top right now again this are small samples so we can't just say that because Absolutely. he's sandwiched between Tulo and Goldschmidt that he's he's just like them but it's a little bit encouraging even in the small sample to see he's crushing the ball and pulling it two things that pretend well for power based on what you've told us all year um with those numbers yes yeah yeah so but the, you know I think those are maybe a little bit less meaningful in low samples the hard percentage but it does follow from being a pull hitter so we've got a guy with a decent line drive rate hits the ball really hard he's got a 328 career babbit in way too small of a sample to believe it but he's got these sort of foundational skills that could lead to a good babbit could lead to you know above average power which he's shown so we've got a we've got a traditional low average um you know guy with the asterisk that his maybe his babbit going forward is going to be better than he's projected you know he's projected at 280 291 probably based on that pull percentage a little bit sure um and uh but the strikeout rates, I mean, the, the, the projection, rest of season projection strikeout rates are at 22%, but he's got a swinging strike rate of 16%. So uh, I tend to think that the Babbitt will be higher, the strikeout rate will be higher, and the outcomes will be very, you know, very similar to what he's projected, which is like a 240 hitter with, um, you know, 200. I, I'll give him a little more power than the projections, um, the kind of power you would call, you know, 20 homer power in a full season. Okay. I can deal Nowadays, with that. That's so, pretty good. Sit tight on uh, on holiday, folks. We'll you know stay tuned for news there in terms of uh, how long. But like I said, I I can't see him avoiding a DL stint. Um, and honestly, I think if Gritchick does well enough in, in, in an audition like this, he could start to force his way in the lineup more regularly. I don't think John Jay is 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 guaranteed playing time. Peter Burgos hasn't really shown much. Gritchick th- could get this nice opportunity here to really establish himself at, at, at higher on that uh, on that outfield totem pole. It seems like ho- obviously Holiday's at the top, and even though he isn't performing all that well, Hayward is probably second. I doubt he's really going to lose too much time. But then that means something also for next year. You know, since Hayward is a free agent. That's true. Uh, exactly. Some possibility that Gritchuk is his replacement. So I think that mostly a dynasty, um, you know, deep league, deep league, warm body, like deep, nah, a little bit better than warm body, but deep league fill in uh, slash, you know, you know, he, he can do a little auction, uh, not a, what's it called? Uh, uh, he can uh, basically, uh, you know, be playing for next year for your dynasty league. Basically. Absolutely. Yeah. Kind of auditioning is what I think yeah, what you're going for. Uh, let's talk about a few, few players, uh, uh who are recently performing uh, quite well. These are all going to be guys that uh, that are excelling. And this one's easy. We don't have to go too deep here because there's not too much that you can say outside of he's amazing. But I want to ask you if right now at this very moment, snapshot, is Chris Sale the best pitcher in baseball? I did some research for my uh, 120 sports hit tonight where I was you know, looking at if he's the best lefty in baseball. And uh, that one, I can say for sure, he's definitely the best lefty in baseball because, uh, at least right now, because he's got more strikeouts, fewer walks, and fewer homers than Kershaw. So, you know, well, without looking past looking past the sort of balls in play, what has, what's happened this year? Sure. 
yeah. I mean, if, if he's the best left for me, if he's the best lefty, then he's the best pitcher. Because otherwise, I would still have Kershaw number one. I'm not really deterred by Kershaw's three three six ERA. So if you are going to say that for me personally, it's like, well, then yeah, he's the best pitcher going right now. Oh, then they, uh, I have one more name for you though. Okay, Max Scherzer. That ex- yeah, I mean he. Scherzer is right there. I think uh, there'd be an argument right now in terms of looking right now. Most recently, last you know, X handful of starts, Corey Kluber has got to be up there too uh, because of the way he's pitching. Scherzer and and Sale right now uh, are are stupid. Like it, Sale yeah. specifically is just it's so unfair. I mean, his yeah. last his last six starts, uh, five of them have been ten plus Ks. What? Yeah. What? How's that fair? And then uh, seven in eight innings in the other one. He's allowed uh, all of seven runs in those six outings. What the freak? I mean, who are the three dudes that got homers off of him during this run? They're obviously the best players in baseball. That's ridiculous. Torrey Hunter, Eduardo Nunez. Eduardo Nunez is definitely one of the best players. And then uh, let's see who got the one from Milwaukee. Ileon Herrera, another one of the best players. So, yeah, I guess it is the best players that are hitting the home runs. But, uh, you know – Sale's been amazing. I think there is, there's no doubt that he's elite, and I think that the question of is he the best pitcher going right now uh, is probably a, a, a yes. I, I can't see how he can be considered anything but elite, though, and I still think that in some circles he's not seen as that frontline number one guaranteed ace. And Obviously, he is in fantasy, but I think he is in real life, too, and there tends to be a, a, a – a more strict requirement to get that distinction in real life than it is fantasy baseball. But I think Chris Sale has it for both. Do you agree? Yeah, I think there might, there must've been a health thing going on. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just looking right now at an Owen Watson piece from May 6th. Um, so about a month ago, and he's saying that uh, Sale's not using his slider very much and it's a uh, change in movement and um, it's, uh, uh, it's not getting many whiffs. And, uh, you know, this part of this research for this 120 sports thing, too, is that in the first four games of the season, he threw 51 sinkers against 34 sliders. Um, so I think that follows in, in what, what, what Owen's talking about in terms of, yeah. um, you know, not trusting the slider much. In the last four games, he's thrown 30 sinkers to 100 sliders. So he wow. went from throwing two times more sinkers than sliders to three times more sliders than sinkers. So, um, you know, I think uh, he's definitely... Um, he's definitely feeling better with that slider, and uh, and we're seeing we're seeing what can happen when he can put that slider where he wants, even against righties, because he can he can back foot. That's the one thing that I think lefty sliders that, that if you focus too much on platoon splits, you'll miss the fact that uh, if you can regularly put that slider in the back foot, which I think is what Derek Holland does, um, it looks like a tasty pitch for for a right hander until it hits your back foot. Oh yeah. Uh, and uh, it's it's a little bit live or die. I mean, that, if it does get down in that wheelhouse, but righties don't have the same down and in. I mean, they're not quite as as uh, you know they don't love the down and in pitch as quite as much as lefties. Exactly. Uh, so there's a little bit more of an opening there. But uh, yeah, sales amazing. Uh, By the way, I know everyone's sitting there yelling at their phone or whatever device they listen to podcasts in terms of this. Um, recent run who's the best pitcher over the last you know x number of days i know you guys are yelling chris archer at your phones i get it right, yes right. that is a name that should be uh in that Speaking mix of sliders <laughs> yeah if, if we're taking the snapshot and we're saying that yeah we're not really counting track record as much we're just saying who's the best pitcher in baseball right now he's got to be in there uh, absolutely i'll take sale i'll take sale based i mean i of course me i'm gonna like consider arsenal and depth of arsenal you know so mm-hmm. To me, Chris Archer has two really great pitches, but he doesn't have a third great pitch. Whereas Chris Sale, especially with the slide of the way it's going now, has three great pitches, and Max Scherzer may have more than three great pitches. Oh yeah, let's let's uh, hone in a little bit on on Scherzer's numbers. We were talking about sales. Scherzer has just been stupid literally all year too. That's the thing, you know, the snapshot thing helps some of these other guys kind of catch up to Scherzer because he's been doing it all year. But even if you're just kind of looking at like since mid-May, which would be the rough cutoff, he's got a 161 ERA and 35 strikeouts and 28 innings for Scherzer. It's been so ridiculous, um, you know. Everyone kind of figured that he would get a bit of a boost going to the NL, uh, mm-hmm. and, and he really has. I mean, he's posted uh, 
a little bit better strikeout rate, but then a much better walk rate, fewer hits, and then the ERA is down from 315 to 185. Scherzer's been unreal. I think there are a good handful of guys right now, four, five, or six, that uh, you can make a legitimate case are the best pitcher in baseball right now. And, and Sale has to be among them, though. I just wanted to recognize what he's been doing. Perhaps a little bit lower on that spectrum, but also performing really well. You know, there's a guy since mid-May with a 2.86 ERA in 28 innings of work uh, with 25 strikeouts, and you'd probably be interested in that guy, right? With with those kind of numbers. But if I attach the name to it, if I attach the name to it, you might be a little less interested because it's Erasmo Ramirez. And I wonder, (laughs) is he tricking us again? Because this is somebody I've you know bought in on. bought in on in the past thinking that we would get some good quality work from him, but it's been rough these last two seasons, but he is just 25. Is there some legitimacy to Erasmo Ramirez? I, people, people were asking me about his improved changeup um, this year. And I was like, uh, his changeup's always been his best pitch. I don't know, you know what you're talking about in terms of uh, it being necessarily improved by joining the Rays. Yeah, um, I would say that the the thing that the Rays have done is is told him throw the changeup a lot. <laughs> just, just throw it. Just just and throw your bad breaking balls a lot less. Throw it and, never. And, ideally, your piece yeah. of garbage <laughs> hanger. I mean, he just chucks hangers up there, like literally clothes hangers. He just throws them, and they still would hit home runs. So this year that's down. Uh, his curveball percentage is down from 10 to 2%. So, yeah, you're exactly right. They're saying, listen, dude, hone in on that pitch that's actually good and yeah. stop throwing that garbage curveball. And he, he throws his changeup more than his sinker and about as much as his four seam. So basically you're gonna you're either going to get the four seam, like in, in everything but, uh, you know, 10% of the bats, you're going to get a four-seam, a two-seam, or a change-up. And uh, I think, you know, for him, it's like kind of learning about uh, where you can use the change-up. Like, if you look at um, uh, if you look at James Shields, I mean, here's a righty that uh, features a change-up first. And he's had homer problems because the change-up, you know, does fade, you know, towards the righty's bat if you try to go on the outside corner. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you try to throw the, a change-up on the right on the inside corner and it doesn't fade enough, um, then it's basically just right in their, in their wheelhouse. So, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, that's the, where Shields' problems have come from. And that's where Erasmo, you know, I don't know if he needs to just locate it better or whatever, but you know, he's a righty without James Shields knuckle curve, uh, that's trying to make it work. But right now, I guess the, the one thing that stands out is that his slider is getting the best, um, you know, results of his career in, you know, he only uses it 12% of the time, but it's getting the best results of his career. And, uh, and I think that, uh, that's probably where the improvement comes from. He needs to have some sort of breaking ball. Exactly. And it, it's getting, it, it's helped replace the, the, the curve. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think there, there's some intrigue here. I've started to kind of spot him in, a, in, in some, in some leagues, uh, where you, where you, where you can stream, I uh, used him in DFS once recently. I'm not fully buying back in just yet because even in the midst of that run, he still has a five earned run in six inning effort against the uh, A's when he walked five. So there's still a little bit of concern with Erasmo that uh, he'll 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 pop you every once in a while and let you let you rem- remember that he's Erasmo Ramirez. But uh, I, I'm 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 getting back on track with him. So that's more of a tepid endorsement, I understand, but. Uh, yeah, you you could start to pick him up. Obviously, he's already going to be owned in AL only. But in 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 mixers where you're trying to stream, I could see utilizing Erasmo Ramirez a little bit right now. And, and if it continues, then uh, I'll, I'll change accordingly. Right now, home only or really favorable road starts. Yeah, I mean he's in a nice he's in a nice spot for um, he, you know at least he didn't go to Texas or anything. So exactly. I, I have a little bit. Uh, I mean, the, the pitch type stuff looks pretty good for this year, but I'm a, just given uh, his issues in the past and um, the fact that he, you know, has uh, fallen down that sort of velocity mountain um, mm-hmm. that he was on pretty, pretty hardcore. I mean, he was at 93, 94 in 2012, and now he's uh, barely got average velocity for a righty at 91. Actually, uh, considering I'm looking at Brooks right now, he's got below average velocity at this point. Um, so I think that's a bit, pretty big asterisk for an American League pitcher uh, trying to get by with 
below average velocity and maybe not the best command and maybe not the best breaker. So that's well, it's still the AL East too. And I know it hasn't played this well that well this year um, because it's been pretty mediocre, but those parks in general are still tough. You still don't want to go into Toronto. You still don't want to go into the Bronx or Camden or Fenway really. So uh, yeah, that, that, that part of it is still there for Ramirez. That's why I'm, I'm figuring home only um, and some maybe handful of uh, favorable road starts. Like he was in Seattle. That's when I DFS uh, DFS him and it, and it worked out just fine. So, uh, all right, let's go ahead and close with three three batters right now that are kind of out of their minds, and and we got to wonder how much of it is legitimate. And and you just give me an idea of what you think here. We'll go kind of kind of rapid fire. Let's start with Andre Eth here because he's just been raking all year. In fact, honestly, if you're looking at it right now, he's basically having a career year at age 33 somehow from a guy who's had good years like. Uh, who had a very good career in his 20s. He was a very good player for several years. In fact, the only year he's ever been quote-unquote bad was last year, and he still was just a couple ticks below average. Uh, he just didn't have any power output. And so, you know, it, it, I think it looked worse than it actually was for Ethier. But this year, 884 OPS, uh, good, you know, eight homers, doubling what he did last year in, in half as many plate appearances. What are you seeing out of him? I, I know it's crowded, so we know the playing time is pretty much always in question if, if he goes into a cold slump. But are you buying this uh, this hot streak from Andre Ethier? I mean, dude's 33 years old. I, I uh, Hey, what's wrong with 33-year-olds, man? Uh, <laughs> that's how old I am. Yeah. I'm having a career year. I got hired by Fangraphs. Says the 35-year-old. Uh, I mean, I just think it's super crowded. I mean, Alex Guerrero, is he going to play? Oliveira. Uh, they're even playing Kayaspo, so For some uh, reason. Yeah, right. And, uh, I mean, Guerrero's glove isn't great, so that means, to me, he's probably being used more as an outfielder um, going forward. And uh, I mean, Ethier hasn't had the... Ethier hasn't had this ISO. Uh, this is the second highest he's ever had. Yeah. And it's the first time it's over 200. It's the first time it's over 180 since 2010. It's uh, so dirty. It's been a long time since he's been this good. Um, you know, you know, has he changed some things? Uh, he's going oppo a little bit less often. His hard percentage is, you know, top five or so for his career. Um, you know, he's hitting more fly balls back like, a little bit more like he used to back in uh, when he was best as best in 2009, 2010. Correct. These are these are good things. Um, I still can't get over the fact that uh, it's crowded in there. And that part makes it tough because an injury, um, you know, they automatically have a good fill-in, and then if that fill-in is rolling, then all of a sudden, when, even when he comes back, he could be crunched. I'm kind of buying what we're seeing from the performance standpoint, though, because there aren't any, uh, you know, major outliers that you say, "Oh, that can't hold. This is over the top. It's a 500 BABIP. It's a 25% homer to fly ball ratio." No, it's nothing like that. So everything is there. It's just the age factor worries me about health uh, for Ethier, and then, like you said, that parlays with the with the crowdedness of that ball club. Obviously, I'm sure they're still trying to trade him because, you know, why, why not move him at, at a peak at this point? But I don't think any team's going to fall for it and give them some sort of mint in return. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in on, on Ethier here uh, because, you know, this isn't out of the norm from what we've seen in his career in terms of he's been good before. He just uh, fell down last year and he's come all the way back. I think he'll even out closer to what he's been uh, the years before last year, which was like a 120-something WRC plus as opposed to the 145 he has right now. And that's perfectly useful. What about Joe Panic? Uh, division mate, obviously, there on the Giants. Different kind of player, though. We're talking about a young, first off, from an old outfielder to a young infielder. Uh, wasn't a, you know a huge prospect, not expected to be an offensive force, but he's been playing great. You know, Panic is kind of the, a, a heavy contact guy with a decent walk rate who, who, you know, I think at his best he still looks like an empty batting average. But he's been he's been on fire right now. How much of what we're seeing out of Joe Panic do you buy into? Most of it, actually. I mean, he has a really good approach, and he mostly is, is going for contact. Um, the, the question is if this power is, is going gonna, is gonna to stick around. Um, and it might not. He's kind of was up again, down again in the minor leagues in terms of power. He's not the biggest guy. He kind of looks like Buster Posey's, you know, kid. 
Yes. Um, Baby brother. <laughs> like, yes, I confuse them regularly in terms of <laughs> seeing them on base uh, on a flash of the screen. And you're like, oh, that's, oh, no, wait, no, it's panic. Dang it. Yeah. And he can't, and he doesn't steal bases. So it really is. I mean, he's the second coming of Marco Scudero. Um, that's good. And, and so you really want to, you know, lock in a, without the power, it would be like a 275 batting average, much like Marco Scudero. Uh, 275 to 300 in there somewhere, depending on the BABIPs, depending on the power he shows that year, depending on how much speed he can get going that year. But, um, you know, he may not, for the season, he may not add up to 15 homers plus steals. And that's just robs him of a lot of, of power, a lot of uh, usefulness. And I think that makes him a, a deep league. Uh, great. I mean, one of the best fill-ins you could have. I mean, because he's just not going to hurt you and you know, in terms of, batting average he's just gonna get in there and, and probably fill you up a little bit and runs an rbi because he's hitting to the top of that order but um just uh isn't gonna help much with the power and speed and it's hard to rely on him uh okay yeah no i i completely i completely get that um watching him in the playoffs last year i thought joe panic i was like that's that's a good player i just how much of it can translate into fantasy value so yeah i think he has a two homer game and you know that counts or whatever. I, I, I maybe he doesn't. No, okay, he's got all four of his homers um, sp- spread out there. I thought he had a two homer game that was kind of super boosting his uh, his pace. He's got four so far. You're right though. If you can't get to even 15 for homers and stolen bases, it's tough. But a middle infielder, you need some average. This offense looks like it's going to be good, so you can get those runs and RBIs. Yeah. Ethier, we're in agreement there. Sorry, folks, we're we're agreeing a little bit here. I know people want vehement disagreement. So I'm a little uh, bit more uneasier than you. It sounds. I mean, I uh, yeah, I, th- I think I have I th- to pick them up anywhere, and uh, you know, it's just the crowded situation. It makes it, I mean, a lot of my some of my deeper leagues are weekly leagues, and you know, unless I'm sure you're going to play every day, um, it's you tough. kind of you get your value robbed there. But uh, sure, if he was still on my wire in my uh, 18 team, that those benches are too deep. I guess in a 15 team, um, until Oliveira, and you know, I, but Puig is up, so Puig's back, yeah, yeah. So if he's still playing, there's a little bit of window there, I guess. It's gonna be that that, that Dodgers team. It's gonna be crazy to kind of see how they deal with all these assets. Last guy we're gonna talk about is Chris Colabello. And uh, you might remember this name from last year when he had an amazing hot streak and then kind of fell off. But, you know, a lot of th- a lot of things that we're hearing now uh, as he's staying hot again was that maybe it was injury related why he fell off last year. Uh, Colabello's already kind of bettered what he did last year. He had, he had pretty much a 20 game uh, run of, of high quality last year before it really started to fall off. This year he's already at 32 games, obviously better park, better offense. That That's probably helping it. Just flat out, though, what kind of legitimacy is there to Colabello, um, even accounting for the fact that he pro- he won't stay this hot at a 908 OPS? Is he going to go all the way back down the way he did last year um, as a 31-year-old sort of journeyman? Or can he be even like a you know 780 to 800 OPS guy who in that lineup all of a sudden you're at least playing him at home and you're pretty pleased just because the lineup is so good? I mean, it's pretty amazing what's happened to that outfield. Right? From what it was I mean, supposed to be? Yeah, it was really, it was supposed to look a, a lot different coming into the year. I think we were talking about uh, Pompey starting in center, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then they really had to find something for left field once Pompey, once they had to shift their, you know, Pilar over to center and uh, Michael Saunders just can't get healthy. So, uh, I think there's some risk that Saunders comes back at some point um, and uh, and takes a job from somebody. But Pilar is a bit of a uh, is a bit of a uh, platoon guy himself. But, but does so. he have? Oh, I guess Saunders could play some some center because I was going to say, does Pilar kind of you know grandfather himself into the lineup pretty well right now by being able to play center field? But I guess if Saunders is healthy, he can go there. What's and, Saunders' you know, time take? Carrera is getting at bats, so. You know, I, I doubt that Ezekiel Carrera gets a ton of at-bats once Saunders is back. You could kind of give um, Carrera's at-bats to him. And if they're actually using Valencia uh, out in the outfield, um, you know, you can give his at-bats to, to Saunders too. And that might leave some space for Colabello, um, you know, especially on days when um, they play one of their DHs in the field and 
or both of their DHs in the field. There's some there's some chance there that uh, Colabella will be irrelevant. But um, you know, 31 uh, with a 450 Babbitt. Um, <laughs> you don't buy that, dude. <laughs> I mean, the nice thing is that he is actually a decent spray hitter. I mean, his his uh, pull center oppo um, is a little bit more center, like you know, sprayed towards center than 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 the average player. Mm-hmm. Um, he does hit the ball on the ground enough where you know he's not going to have the Jose Bautista bad Babbitt because he hits everything straight in the air. Sure, um, but he's so, not, not going to hold a 450 either. Right. I mean, even when he regressed last year, it was to a 308 by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was 220 plate appearances. Um, you know, even the projections are regressing back to 318 or so. So, you know, it's uh, even with that, you know, above average Babbitt, they, uh, the projections have him at like a 750 OPS. Uh, you know, could I give him a little more than that? Yeah, because, you know, he used to be in the Twins organization, you know, in the Twins ballpark. And, now he's with the Blue Jays, and the ISO is higher. Uh, the Babbitt's probably going to be higher in, there in Toronto. Uh, he's going to, you know, hit with more people on base more often. Uh, that'll help him a little bit. Certainly. Uh, so, yeah, I can give him. Uh, but you know, what's weird is that all the projections have him um, with a better power going forward. Uh, that is and interesting. Better than he had, you know, last year. So. Even though you know he's already rocking a 16% home to five ball rate, which is not. Over the top, crazy has to come down. Um, he had a 30% back in t- uh, 2013 for a 181 plate appearance span uh, <laughs> that allowed him to pop seven bombs, and I'm sure that's influencing those projections that have him bet- between nine and 11 homers. Here's the thing: um, I don't think it's a complete fall off. I think it's it, it is fair to kind of give him a little bit of a break for last year's collapse because of the finger. Um, it might have even been a thumb, which there is, a, you know, there's definitely a distinction between thumb and say ring finger or, or, or middle finger in terms of how it will impact a batter. So I'm willing to kind of give him like a, you know, 750 OPS. I, I know that's not great, but the environment that we're in says that that can be uh, definitely AL only viable, especially because that lineup, when he does produce, it should be good production. I'm I'm okay on Colbell. It's a bit of a fence straddle because I just I don't know what to think. He's 31. We still we don't even have still a full season. If you smash up all three of a season so far, we still don't have a full season of work. Uh, but if you do add it all up, it's 536 plate appearances of a 715 uh, OPS. So yeah, I'll bump him up a little bit for the park and environment and, and, and say 750. And you know, if you're expecting anything else, then then you might might be looking to sell the second it starts to cool down. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, if anybody wanted him from me right now, they could get him pretty quickly. It, it, w- it would not take much. That's the thing too. <laughs> if I'm selling him, I'm not getting stupid and asking for for unrealistic stuff. I mean, um, I would definitely take like Pedro Strope for him, for example, uh, who doesn't even have the job, and they just signed somebody else. You know, I, I, maybe that's even too much. I don't know, but uh, definitely when, don't go crazy for Chris Colabello. But hey, ride him right now. Well, while, while, while it's still going at this point, we we as a fantasy community probably should have jumped on it. You know, ten games ago. It's easy to say now though because it's continued. But uh, he, he's on fire. So that that's that. Uh, oh, one thing to note about Colabello from a DFS standpoint, he's absolutely murdering lefties. Like. You think the BABIP is high overall. It's 533 against lefties with a 1263 OPS. If he's, if he's got a weak lefty up there, definitely get him in on your DFS lineup because it will come cheap. But, you know, I think that's going to wrap us up, get you out to the ball yard, get me back on track with some work here, uh, and we'll reconvene in two days to talk some more baseball. How's that sound? That sounds good to me. All right, man. Then take care. I'll talk to you later. All right, later.